Chapter Twenty Three of Diana. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording Bridget Gage. Diana by Susan Warner. Chapter Twenty Three. Supper at Home. The windows were open still, and the dusky air without was full of cool freshness. In the wide fireplace, the minister had kindled a fire, and in a little blue teapot he was just making the tea. The kettle stood on the hearth. It was as pretty and cheerful a home view as any bride need wish to see for the first evening in her new house. Diana knew it, and took the effect, which possibly was only heightened by the consciousness that she wished herself five hundred miles away. What the picture was to her husband she had no idea, nor that the crowning feature of it was her own beautiful sweet presence. Miss Collins brought in the prepared dishes and left the two alone. I see I have fallen into new hands, the minister remarked presently. Mrs. Persimmon never cooked these eggs. You must have been tired of living in that way, I should think. No, I never get tired of anything. Not of bad things? No, I get rid of them. But how can you? Different ways. Can you do everything you want to do, Basil? his wife asked, with an incredulous sort of admiration. I'll do everything you want me to do. You have already, and more, she said with a sigh. How will your help me in the other room answer the purpose? I have never been used to have anybody you know, Basil, and I do not need anyone. I can do all easily myself. I know you can. I do not wish you should. Then what will you give me to do? Plenty. I don't care what, if I can only be busy. I cannot bear to be idle. What shall I do, Basil? Is there nothing you would like to study that you have never had a chance to learn? Learn? said Diana, a whole vista of possible new activities opening all at once before her mind's eye. Oh, yes, I would like to learn, to study. What, Basil? What would you like to take hold of? I would like Latin. Latin, cried the minister, that's an excellent choice. Greek, too? I would like to learn Greek very much, but I suppose I must begin with one at once. How about modern languages? You know, said Diana shyly, I can have no teacher but you. And you stand in doubt as to my qualifications? Prudent. I will learn anything you'd like to teach me, said Diana, and her look was both very sweet and very humble. Withal had something of an anxious strain in it. Then there's another thing. Don't you want to help me? How? In my work. How can I? I don't believe you know what my work is, said the minister dryly. Do you now? I thought I did, said Diana. Preaching sermons to wit, said the minister, but that is only one item. My business is to work in my master's vineyard. Yes, and I thought that was how you did it. But a man may preach many sermons, and never do a bit of work, of the sort I mentioned. What is the sort, then, Basil? I'll show you when we get away from the table. It is time you knew. So when the supper tray and Miss Collins were gone, the minister took his Bible and made Diana sit down beside him, where they could both look over it. Your notion of a minister is that he is a sort of machine to make sermons? I never thought you were a machine of any sort. said Diana gently. No, of course not, but you thought that was my special business, didn't you? Now look here. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. 
Therefore hear the word at my mouth, and give them warning from me. A watchman, Diana repeated. It is a responsible post, too, for see over here. If the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come, and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Do you mean, Basil? Yes, I mean all that. You can understand now what was in Paul's mind, and what a great word it was, when he said to the Ephesian elders, I take you to record this day, that I am pure from the blood of all men. He had done his whole duty in that place. I never felt that old Mr. Hardenberg warned us against anything, Diana remarked. Did I? You began to make me uncomfortable almost as soon as you came. That's good, said the minister quietly. Now see these words, Diana. Go ye into all the world, and tell the good news to everybody. Preach the gospel, said Diana. That is simply telling the good news. Is it? Certainly. But, Basil, it never seemed so. There was a reason for that. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. You were not thirsty, that is all. Basil, said Diana, almost tremulously, I think I am now. Well, said her husband tenderly, you know who could say, and did say, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. I am the bread of life, he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. That bringing together of need and supply, while yet need does not see how it is to stretch out its hand to take the supply, how sharp and how pitiful it makes the sense of longing. Diana drooped her head till it touched Basil's arm. It seemed to her that her heart would fairly break. But that doesn't mean, she said, bringing out her words with hesitation and difficulty. That does not mean hunger of every sort. Yes. Of earthly sorts, Basil? How can it? People's desires for so many things. Is there any limit or qualification to the promise? No, not there. Is there anywhere else? Diana was silent. There is none anywhere, except the limit put by the faith of the applicant. I have known a person starving to death, relieved for the time even from the pangs of bodily hunger by the food which Christ gave her. There is no condition of human extremity for which he is not sufficient. But, said Diana, still speaking with difficulty, that is for some people. For some people, and for everybody else. But he would not like to have anybody go to him just for such a reason. He will never ask you why you came, if you come. He was in this world to relieve misery and to save from it. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out is his own word. He will let you if you will help him, Diana. Diana's head pressed more heavily against Basil's arm. The temptation was to break out into wild weeping at this contact of sympathy. But she would not. Did her husband guess how much she was in want of help? That thought half frightened her. Presently she raised her head and sat up. Here is another verse, said her husband, which tells of a part of my work. Go ye into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. I don't understand. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. 
It means rather a wedding entertainment. How, Basil? The bridegroom is Christ. The bride is the whole company of his redeemed. The time is by and by, when they shall all be gathered together, all washed from defilement, all dressed in the white robes of the king's court which are given them, and delivered from the last shadow of mortal sorrow and infirmity. Then in glory begins their perfected, everlasting union with Christ. Then the wedding is celebrated, and the supper signifies the fullness and communion of his joy in them, and their joy in him. Basil's voice was a little subdued as he spoke the last words, and he paused a few minutes. "'It is my business to bid people to that supper,' he said then, "'and I bid you die.' "'I will go, Basil.' But the words were low, and the tears burst forth, and Diana hurried away. End of chapter 23